Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. And another cracking week for people deemed fit and proper by the Football Association. After last week, when Chelsea's Abramovich was revealed to be a friend of the Kremlin war machine and Newcastle's Mohammed bin Salman oversaw 81 executions in a day, the last seven days have given us Arsenal and Everton stalwart Alicia Usmanov, another Kremlin insider, managing to disappear his assets and pleading poverty. Whilst Man City shite Sheikh Mansour was cozying up with Syria's President Assad, a supporter of Russia's war in Ukraine and a man who used chemical weapons on his own people. Now, in the early 1970s, World in Action exposed Man United chairman Louis Edwards for selling out-of-date meat for use in school meals. <laughs> Poisoning kids for profit. Seems rather quaint now, doesn't it? Does. It does. It's so 1970. Yeah. So yesterday. Yes, and this week it was also the first day of spring. Spring has sprung. We've seen some nice sunny weather here in the UK and you think, climate change? What climate change? And then you read that in the southern hemisphere, where it was the first day of autumn and things are supposed to be starting to cool down, the temperature in Antarctica was 70 degrees above the normal average. 70 degrees. It was in the Washington Post, so probably Fahrenheit, I'm guessing, but even so. And in the Arctic, it was 50 degrees warmer than normal. I'm expecting to have the rising sea level trickling up my street any day now. With a bit of luck, I'm going to have a beachfront property in time for the summer holidays. That'll save me a bob or two. Absolutely. And maybe conditions in Qatar for the World Cup are just what we're all going to have to get used to before long. Qatar itself will be an uninhabitable cinder by then, and that human rights thing will have taken care of itself. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. And we'll be hearing about the Qatari boat people soon enough. (laughs) (laughs) Now, also, try and follow the logic here. P&O ferries have just sacked 800 staff with immediate effect because of the company's poor performance over the last two years. And yet, Manchester United are opening negotiations on a new contract for Paul Pogba. (laughs) There's not a through line there, is there? (laughs) Not really, not to me. My favourite football bit of of the last week, it was 
just actually just uh, a whole week ago after we'd done the, the last one of these. Frank Lampard broke his hand punching the air after Everton's late winner over Newcastle a week ago. If, if that isn't climate change, what is? <laughs> if you can punch the air and break your hand, uh, yeah. something's going on. I think it's just a soft southerner, you see, doesn't understand how tough the air is up north. <laughs> you know, he should apologise before that situation gets any worse. You know, uh, yeah. Leave it, lands. we've all led a breath. <laughs> <laughs> and how are things? How are things at Boundary Park? I oh. know, I know, because I've been watching, and is it five games without a win? It is, I. And before we celebrate the joys of spring in the lush and blooming daffodilly show garden of the Premier League, let us first traipse across, as you say, the permafrosted, wind-whipped tundra stretching bleakly to the horizon and beyond, where any sign of life is an unfathomable miracle. Speaking, of course, of the very bottom of the EFL, where my team Oldham have well and truly burst the bubble of the Chesurrection and have plunged headlong into the icy depths of Shispair. Five in a row, as you say, we've lost now. Worse form than we had under miserable Keith Curl or the interim failure Selim Banashaw. A row of L's as far as the eye can see, such as you might find stretching ahead of you in traffic when you really need to get somewhere quickly on a Sunday morning. The two L's this week were both home defeats to teams at the top end, Exeter and Sutton, God help us, with Fortress Boundary Park looking more and more like a really welcoming pub with comfy chairs and a roaring fire and, hey, the first one's on the house. Hell, have a second. Have a penalty where the forward goes past the defender, runs on two or three paces, realising the ball is going out for a goal kick, throws himself to the floor. Cheers! <laughs> it's not Chez's fault, really. I mean, we've been undermined by losing three of the established back four from our decent run of form just a few weeks back. Magai injured, Pierjani and Hart suspended, Jordan Clark was suspended last week, he's back now, but playing out of position alongside Will Sutton, a youngster who we recalled from the bench at Farsley Celtic, where he was sat on loan. Because we don't have squad depth, not at all. If Chelsea's squad is an Olympic-sized swimming pool, then Oldham's is the foul-smelling yellow foot bath with the sticking plaster floating in it. And the sticking plaster is suspended. Will Sutton, actually, the kid, has done, he's done OK. He scored a couple of goals since coming back, scored another one on Tuesday, uh, which no-one else has done, but the depleted squad is doing for us. And incredibly, incredibly, not just suspension and injury. Christopher Misselou, our best defensive midfielder, is missing three games because he's been recalled by Congo for two friendlies nine years after winning his first couple of caps. They cast their net around and thought, hey, let's call up that guy from the 91st best team in the English league. <laughs> <laughs> he can probably do a job. And yet they didn't call up Dylan Bahambula, who they did call up last time. Congo, uh, which would have meant we could have postponed the games while he's away, on account of also having Jason with a wild Lutweiler of Canada, our so backup. You've got, two, you've got two Congo internationals, two con yeah. and, and do either of them, and that's a shame my age, either of them drink a bongo, because uh, <laughs> oh, I remember that was claimed, very big there. it was claimed, it was, very, it was very a big massive there. drink in the Congo, <laughs> massive, massive drink. <laughs> I haven't thought of that for years. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> oh man, speaking of that, there's many things coming up today that I haven't thought of for years. Yes. But anyway, speaking of postponing games, Stevenage appointed a new manager, as we said last week, Steve Evans, the guy liner guy. Check his photo on Google. And his first order of business was to postpone his first game, claiming that some of his team had COVID, which is just so 2021, isn't it? You know, and you'd think, wouldn't you, that this might be some devious scheme to get in some training with his new squad, little mini pre-season, you know. But it can't be that, can it? They can't train. They've got COVID. Of all the luck. 
<laughs> have you? I don't know whether you've read any of uh, the Slow Horses books by yes, Mick yes. Herron. Well, I always uh, Gary Oldman's going to play uh, the, 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 yeah. the main character. In and it. our friend but, Mawena is writing the script. Oh, is she really? Yeah. Well, Steve Evans would be perfect for that role. <laughs> oh, for role. Jackson. Um, yeah, for Jackson. Yeah. I'm going to say Jackson Brown, but he's a singer. Yeah, or Jackson Pollock. <laughs> Jackson something. <laughs> anyway, at Stevenage, when we were last spoke, we were three points behind them with two games in hand. And now we're three points behind them. Um, Barrow, the next team up in a heady 21st place, also got a new manager to try and see themselves over the line. They've appointed the Donald Trump-coloured Phil Brown, who already has on his CV taking Southend out of the league last year. Although, in fairness, he only took over with half a dozen games to go. But then he took them down to 20th in the National League before they got rid of him. So hopefully, Barrow's new manager, Bounce, will be the sort of Bounce like an egg might do. And you know Mark and Dave behind the glass there, you can see, they're, they're, they're going to see Barrow. At Leighton Orient on Saturday. Are they? Yeah. Orient will be feeling pretty safe now after whacking Harrogate on Tuesday night, so let's hope they're still in the mood. Let's hope so. Anyway, let's hope so. so let's move on from the from the permafrosted tundra to, to Manchester United. Let's talk, we, we, we keep missing out on talking about Manchester United. Well, they remain they? a club in crisis, don't they? Although well, no, all I mean, crises hap- are relative. No, hap- happily for us, they remain a club in crisis <laughs> because they were a club in crisis two weeks ago when we were meant to talk about them. Yeah. But actually, um, it's crisis upon crisis. It's yeah. a club in crises. Well, yeah, in crises, exactly. I mean, I, they're, they're still fifth in the league and, and paying the world's most famous player 775 grand a week. Yeah, yeah. He wants to stay next season, Ronaldo. I bet he fucking does. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, one, one of the well, I find it uh, quite interesting, especially after the loss of Man City, was the ex-players queuing up to castigate the play, the, the current players. Oh, man, yeah, yeah. Ince, Scholes, Keane, Ferdinand, Neville, Schmeichel—they were all there. And, mm. and, and, and they, somebody asked David Beckham, and he said, "Well, I, I don't know about that, but uh, have you thought about holidaying Qatar? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get paid 150 million pounds. Yeah, just don't wear that. that rainbow T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. <laughs> or a sarong, you know, just yeah. to be on the safe side. Yeah, yeah. All sitting around in your pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they've um, been interviewing candidates this week for the for the permanent job, which must make be making uh, Ralph Rangnick feel right at, at home very well. Yes, <laughs> well, I mean, the whole Ralph Rangnick supply teacher business we, uh, we've, <laughs> we've been over before. I was very interested in, uh, which, which it, it kind of passed me by, and then I, I went back and found it, that, um, that um, Rio Ferdinand had said that, that the players' agents were contacting him and asking him not to criticise them. We're contacting Rio. Rio, yeah. Really? And you think, God, that's very thin-skinned. And it reminded me that uh, many years ago, before Euro 96, I did the Euro 96 opening ceremony at Old Trafford. I I hosted it for some unknown reason. But anyway... um, Mick Hucknall, uh, uh, you know, famously, yeah. simply he's, read. He's simply read. Simply read. Um, uh, was on the bill and, mm. and he sang... What was he playing, like a like a pickpocket or something? <laughs> yeah. And he <laughs> sang Money's Too Tight to Mention. And as he went off, I said, well, you know, that's ironic. Money to do to mention from one of the richest people in Manchester. You know, a yeah, nothing yeah. joke. A nothing joke. And I was asked by the producer of the programme to write him a letter of apology. <laughs> I have never been asked to do that in my... <laughs> I had to write him a letter of apology because it was his greatest day because he was playing Old Trafford and I'd ruined it for him. Excellent. How thin-skinned is that? Well, yeah. Um, Hopefully Mick Hucknall is listening now. Oh, Oh, no. no. And we want an apology for you mentioning this anecdote. Yeah, Yeah, and I I sent him a knockoff programme of the 1968 European Cup final (laughs) um, uh, um, uh, as a gift. 
But <laughs> what I really wanted to say was something quite, quite, quite different. <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. Well, yeah, they're, they're uh, interviewing apparently Eric Ten Hag of yes. Ajax, yep. Maurizio Pochettino of, of PSG, both of whom were knocked out of the Champions League in the round of 16. Yep. So in many ways, ideally qualified and theoretically of course, available now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, PSG are desperate, aren't they, for Pochettino to be poached because if they sack him, they have to pay him 15 million quid, apparently. Yeah. Football. Christ. And um, at least uh, Pochettino must have some sort of idea what life is like at United, having played in, in, uh, been in the Premier League. Ten Hag wouldn't know what hit him, would he? Well, it, I, it was quite interesting because I was uh, watching Sky Sports News and they uh, interviewed a, a Dutch agent. Hmm. And he was just saying, you know, Ten Hag has got to be thinking, why would I go there? You know, I've seen Mourinho fail, Van Hal fail, yeah. Solskjaer, uh, Rangnick is, is doing no good. Why, why would he go there? And the, from the other side, what's he won? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a difficult old he's, thing, isn't he's it? He's put together a couple of teams, good teams yes, at Ajax, which then get poached, don't they? They then get poached away. You, yeah, but then, you, you, don't, you don't really know what he would do with uh, a couple of seasons to actually build something. Well, yeah, that's know. the Ajax template, though, isn't yeah. it? And, and it has In been for many. Years, yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah. all the way back to Overmars and, and, and uh, uh, Van der Sar and yeah, yeah. Kivert, But uh, further back, they were, the, they were the giants in the early 70s, well, weren't they? They, so they were the, were, the they European were, champions three times in a row. They, they had were. Croy for all that. I mean, I, I, you're talking about why would Ten Hag go there. I, I always think that about players as well, you know. I mean, there have been rumours this week about Declan Rice going for 150 million quid. You think, what? Why would you go there? I mean, they haven't got next season's manager yet. Why would you even think about it? You know, why would you want to join that shit show? You know, I never quite understand. I have to say, I never quite. Obviously, I'm I'm not a footballer, never will be. But I, I never oh, quite no, understand no, no. that <laughs> footballers who have the chance to be like. Something special at a club like like yeah. Salah talking about Mo Salah going away to Juventus or whatever. Yeah. You know, you think what, really? Why would you do that when you could, when the reputation you could get you in know, one? You know, it's almost like Chris, and and, and I, I, I'm sure I'm wrong. It's almost like Ronaldo and Pogba and all of these people. Yeah, they've never heard of Steve Bull <laughs> or Matt Letizia. Or Matt Letizia. <laughs> no, well, you know. Well, you know, you think surely, you know, you must reach a point where, you know, the money isn't the be all and end all, mustn't you? You must do. Well, you'd think. Oh, you'd have thought you? so. But you, know. you, you know, they must have an awful. They've got their, they've got their, 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 their managers. They've got their agents. Often, I find they've got their brothers who, <laughs> who are, are also their agents, <laughs> yes. or are filming them yeah. punching a cat. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. are encouraging them. Oh, he's being charged, by the way. Yeah, are, yeah. Are, are encouraging them to to make as many moves as as they possibly can. But if you look at it at United, and 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 it must be painful for the players. You know, Pogba, Ronaldo, Maguire, Wan-Bissaka, Rashford, Fred, McTominay, Lindelof, De Gea, they're all being really, really heavily slagged off. And that, yeah. that's, that must be quite tough. Well, I think this is the, this is the, the Manchester United way is to acquire these big expensive players and make them not quite as good as they were yeah. when they paid all that money for them. You Absolutely. Know, they, there's a great um, depreciation there for some reason I don't know why yeah. I mean but it's something about the you know the the institution being bigger than the it's than the, the team it's, somehow it's the know. same sort of de depreciation if you buy a new car in Delhi <laughs> um, you know it, it, there's a good chance it's not going to be on the road in about six months well I suppose and the other thing is is, is you know all those and th and I will hold my hands up there are many proper died in the wool Manchester United fans that are not like this, but uh, you, all those sort of faux supporters, you, you, you can imagine them just watching and thinking, 
all Manchester United's broken, Dad. Can can we have a new Manchester United? <laughs> yeah. This isn't what I this isn't what I have not paid for. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? What's that other Manchester? The City one. Now, yeah, oh, yeah. can I have a shirt of it, them? Now, it's the same yeah. thing, isn't it? Anyway, so last weekend. It was the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Chelsea got through, didn't they, against Middlesbrough, yeah, thanks did. to being allowed to have a private jet after all. And they'll be playing the neutrals' favourites, Crystal Palace, after they walloped Everton, Everton in what they're calling now the Josh Harris Derby, after the billionaire part owner of Palace joined one of the consortiums bidding for Chelsea. Uh, consortia. I, I've actually written consortia and said consortia. Yeah, so I don't well, know why. I, don't, I, don't think, I think everybody will forgive you. <laughs> I thought, I, thought I, I got confused. I thought consortia was the name that they changed the post office to. But no, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Anyway, he's in the uh, the Martin Broughton Sebastian Co. Um, consorti. Um. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd have to uh, divest himself of his palace interests if they were successful. Uh, yes. Apparently, there's an American called John Texter who owns quite a lot of oh, palace already, keen to increase his holding. And fans are not keen because apparently he doesn't really watch the games. He just sits there on his phone. Yeah, I think <laughs> But Chelsea will play Palace at, at Wembley on Easter weekend and fears that Wembley would be half empty because Chelsea aren't going to be allowed to sell tickets. Apparently they can now. Yeah, they can yes, Chelsea allowed to sell tickets is... Yeah. is, is, uh, is, is Headline news. Yeah. Well, and and then the other thing, which which I thought was rather brilliant actually, that uh, Andy Burnham, uh, the, uh, yeah, the mayor of well, Manchester, and Steve Rotherham, the mayor of Liverpool, have both yeah. said, "Well, this is ridiculous. All the trains are cancelled that weekend. One, yeah. uh, and for two, the Liverpool City semi, yeah. yeah, and two. Usually those semis are played at five thirty, which is rubbish if you're from the north. Yeah, okay. And if there's one accident on the motorway, this is going to be a complete well, the M6 nightmare. Is going to be a, a, a complete car park. But this it? is all. I mean, they're all all of this is 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 Wembley funding its redevelopment still because the deal was they had to have the semis there because it brought in much needed revenue to help pay for the for white the, elephant. Yeah, but it, was, it, it dates back before that though, doesn't it? I mean, the first one at Wembley was the 91 one, the Spurs-Arsenal one where Gazza scored that scored free, the free kick. kick yep. And it was only that that one because it was two London clubs, but yep. they kind of thought, wow, this is good, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Forrest uh, played at uh, West Ham at Villa Park, I think, yeah. in the other semi on the, uh, that weekend. I remember you know, Oldham played United in the semi in the year before in ninety at Main Road. And by ninety four, both semis were out. Yeah, yeah. And we had the same thing then. The but trains coming but, down from Manchester. But, and but there's a couple of things. You know, I'd like to say, okay, Stoke. <laughs> I've been in a few semis. Stoke beat Bolton five nil at Wembley in two thousand and eleven. I would have been happy if they played that anywhere. It makes mm. no difference to me. And also, the semi had its own character because you had you were either drawn home and away all the way through to the sixth round, and then the semi final was at a neutral venue, yeah. which was which was a thing in itself, and which was part of the draw. It yeah. was an unknown. Yeah. You weren't you weren't uh, yeah. singing. We're on our way to, to no. You know. And then the final was at Wembley, and I you know yeah. I know it sounds dull, blah 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 blah, um, but I just I still kind of think it should be like that. But there well, you go. Yeah, and speaking of Wembley, it was announced. This, I mean, this is uh, uh, long overdue news, but uh, that the stadium will host the finalissima. You must have been w- w- oh, waiting well, I think to hear We've all been yeah, waiting yeah. about to hear about the finalissima, which yeah. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know there was a thing. No. No, I'm still waiting for the penultimissima, but still, no. that's what they're calling it. UEFA's latest pointless jamboree, a match between European champions Italy and Copa America holders Argentina yeah. in May. And I hope by then the engineering works on the trains between Buenos Aires and London have been Well, completed. let's hope so. Because basically the Gulf Stream's 
going to be an absolute car Let's park. Let's hope so. And of course, Wembley may well be hosting the final of the 2028 Euros well, after yeah. its great success hosting the <laughs> final well, yeah. last well, time. It seems likely that Euro 2028 will be uh, essentially the United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland of the Republic of Ireland. Yes. Or and the, the Isle of Man. The British Isles yeah, yeah. Uh, encompasses all of that, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you remember that uh, Alexander Seferin, the brooding and unshaven president of UEFA, actively pushed the UK, UK and Ireland away from um, the World Cup in 2030 bid uh, in, and towards the Euros because he wanted to back Spain and Portugal. Um, and the thinking earlier in the week was that Russia wouldn't bid. Who were their they main didn't think rivals, anybody was going to bid. And they Turkey didn't. weren't going to bid because yeah. Seferin had had a word because yeah. it's too bloody hot. To, you know, it's the same as Qatar holding a thing in, in Turkey. It gets up to 40, 50 degrees there. When, uh, yeah. But anyway, but then today... Yep. Which is the deadline for bids? Russia popped up and made a bid after all, yep. and so did Turkey. And I'm going to make I'm going to make a stupid prediction. I think Russia are going to get it. <laughs> I think they're going to get it in 2028, right? For, because they've got more than one route in, haven't they? Either UEFA will say yes. Yeah. You know, by the normal way that it works, uh, the, the European Championships will be held in Russia, or Europe will be Russia by then. <laughs> well, that's, that's the, the thing. That's the other thing. This is the thing that Alexander Dukov, the president of the RFU, the Russian for not the rugby, the Russian Football Union, yeah. apparently described the invasion of Ukraine as part of a negative trend. And if that's not a threat, <laughs> I don't know what is. Yeah. I mean, if this trend continues by 2028, qualification process will be greatly simplified. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to say that I, I rather love the chutzpah of the RFU, Russian yes, Football, Russian Football uh, Union, yeah. uh, in, in bidding for it. It's a bit like Herod offering to host next year's <laughs> children in need. Yeah, it is. And I like the quote from uh, Julian Knight, the chairman of the Digital Culture, Media and Sports Select Committee. He said the Russian bid was proof that that nation is run by a bunch of trolling infants. And you think, yeah, a bit like the infant in the omen. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've been very good in not mentioning Liverpool hardly at all. And the reason being that our guest is coming up in a moment and he will want to talk about them ever so much. What a relief it is to have a genuine, bona fide, proper, actually good at their job guest. Um, oh, unlike just who is it? <laughs> harsh on our previous guests, possibly, but they are all our mates. And it's just a measure of this man's stature in the world of theatre, television, and film. Now we could talk Macbeth, we could talk The Walking Dead, State of Play, Pier Gint, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. But I rather think he'll be even happier talking Dalgleish, Beardsley, Shankly, even Dirk Kite. Uh, welcome to David Morrissey. Thank you. Thank you for asking me yeah. on. It's great to be here. Yes. Do you know, I'm looking through, I mean, I was kind of, I was aware you were a Liverpool fan anyway, but uh, but reading through, as, as if we do any research at all, yes, but yes. Re reading through uh, our your team, your team of researchers. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Yes, I, I, do, I do lots of research, Mr. Morrington. I do lots of <laughs> <laughs> I you were a wonderful member of it, badly. <laughs> but, I mean, Liverpool, it's, it's clearly more than somebody saying, you need to have a football team to support David, yeah. you know, because that'll go well with the public. It's clearly deep down in who you are. And I just, I just wondered, what, what emotions d d d are provoked or elicited by just saying Liverpool Football Club to you? Well, <laughs> no. you know, it's, it's all my life. I grew up in a split household. My f late father and my, my elder brother are Evertonians, and then my other brother and me, I'm the youngest, the Liverpudlians. And my middle brother, Tony, he was... Uh, Tranmere? No, he was Liverpool's, but he was. It was when Liverpool were, you know, it was just before Shankly arrived. So Liverpool were in the second, at that time, the second division. 
And he says, says a lot about his character. You know, he decided to go for the underdog, go for that team. And my dad and my other brother thought he was comp completely crazy, but they let him have his way, you know, and he sort of bought his own kit and stuff. And then when my mum was pregnant with me, he said, you know, I want, want if that baby to be a Liverpool fan. And, like, oh. <laughs> and he did. And he really saved up his pocket money. He bought me a Steve Highway shirt. He had the number nine on the back. He yeah, told yeah. me all about it. He really did indoctrinate me. <laughs> yeah. But, I've, you know, even then, Liverpool were just only just starting to become the team they were. Yeah, yeah. And what a great decision it was. It was like, I've got everything to thank him for, yeah, you know, yeah. because <clears throat> I've had such a great ride. And I mean, you know, my best mate also Ian Hart is a Everton fan so I'm not someone who derides Everton in that way but I mean it has been a really it was a very special gift for him to give me yeah, yeah so how do you how did when you were growing up and half of your family are supporting Everton do you do you have a fondness for Everton as well I do yeah, yeah very much because so, it's in my family I mean it's it's only recent that I well, I might be wrong in this but I feel it's only recent that the real schism has happened in the, yeah. in the city you know yeah. and that's to do with finance as well as everything else. I think it used to be a little bit more like that. Well, in, you in go all, to a derby all, you know, game and it was everyone. Everyone was yeah. everywhere. You know, I remember going to this sort of League Cup final, which was Liverpool and Everton, and we all travelled together. It was just a great day, actually. It was fantastic. So, yeah, in the recent years, it's been a little bit more divided. But, you know, growing up, yeah, it was Mickey taking and stuff like that. Uh, nothing beyond that. Yeah. You, you, you've talked about, and I know this is quite a special period in your time of liking Liverpool, that sort of... 80s period, which people think of as, of, as Heysel and Hillsborough, but actually was a fantastic time for the city of Liverpool in that yeah. Everton had a wonderful, wonderful side as well as Liverpool. You, know? well, you forget that Everton sort of were going into Europe after Heysel. You know, they, they, they yeah, were so yeah. well, and, I, and, and may well have won the European you know, they Cup. They had a great team, and I think maybe that was the stars of the schism, really. Did but they I win mean, the Cup Winners' Cup that year. They won they? the Cup Winners' Cup. It was a great side, yeah. you know, yeah. it was Lineker and, and sort of. Well, yeah. Yeah. 86. I mean, the 86 one of the interesting things about 86 was that Liverpool won the double but Everton was second in the league and runners up in the cup yeah, so you, you look would, at those tables yeah. yeah yeah I mean so, it, it, it was it was, it was a, and so and the city really felt that you felt that sort of like the centre of the universe I mean for me growing up in the 80s obviously there was the football side of it but also the music side of it I was trying to tell my kids the other day about it, it was it did feel like you were in the centre of the universe mm -hmm. because obviously the history was all the Beatles and stuff like that but you know for me it was Echo and the Bunny Man it was Teardrop Explodes you know there was this great music and football rivalry with Manchester yeah. and again you even know, orchestral manoeuvres yeah, yeah and massively yeah. so yeah, yeah. And, but, and you know it just felt war you know Pete Wiley and stuff who yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I remember seeing Pete Wiley when I went to uh, we went to Athens for that you, you talk about uh, Kuwait. we went to Athens for that cup final which we lost and Pete the, at the airport was just madness and Pete entertained everybody he got his guitar out and I just remember everyone singing Heart As Big As Liverpool to, to Pete singing so but that it was a very vibrant ta time and I've always said that great thing for myself growing up in Liverpool wanting to be an actor was people took the art seriously you know everybody took the art seriously so, so saying to my mate I want to be an actor there was no sort of nobody looked down their nose at me or took the mickey out of me it was all about well why don't you want to be in a band you know <laughs> yeah yeah but it's it just no there's something of that of that um performing uh, um you know even in the crowd the crowd has its own character yeah, you got the you know the, the so-called scouts with all of that stuff so mm. I don't think I, I can see how how that would fit but also also 
yes, that was a fantastic time for music. It was a great time for football in Liverpool, but also it was your age because I think we all yes, we all own we that. own a particular period of time, which yeah. is which is our time. And of course, me at that age, I'd just done my first thing, which was a, a TV show called One Summer, which was about two scousers who ran away to Wales. So I'd suddenly just become in the spotlight as well. So you know, I was I was flying. You yeah, know, I didn't yeah, have to yeah. buy a drink when I went into town. Yeah, yeah. So it was like really fun, you know. So yeah, it was. Uh, but you're right about that age that we we soak in things in in a much more uh, sort of um, immediate but, way. Yeah, and I think, I think you feel that you own it because yeah. you just Although, becoming you know, an adult. I've spoken to people who grew up in a much more rural environment or, you know, that, 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 that didn't feel that. They couldn't wait to get out. They couldn't. They felt yeah. that the party was somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, that they weren't in, the, that, that they needed to leave where they were in order to get their life started. Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel that. in I did do that. I came down to London. I went to Rada, but I didn't feel the necessity of leaving in order to for myself to grow culturally in, in any way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I want to take you back actually because we're talking about about, about a stage in your life when you. I, I always think of it as when when you first start going to away games on your own or yeah. with your mates rather than you know asking for a lift from your mum and dad yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever. I never you did know, that. That's <laughs> it, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, or going on the football specials. We were talking about those, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and all of those things. And it's that sense of adventure and you're going mm. into the world. But I want to take you back a little bit to when you first went because uh, for me, the football was great. But the being in a crowd was just the most yeah. incredible experience. 100%. I mean, you know, it was, um, I know my first game. In fact, someone sent me the programme recently. I was so delighted about it. And it was Liverpool QPR. And I got there, and you know, we got to the cop and we went up those steps and you see the green and then you go down onto the cop steps and stuff. And, you know, you're being thrown around all over the place. But what I remember most about it, was that Stan Bowles was playing for QPR and there'd been some sort of Sunday tabloid thing about him, you know, bed hopping with somebody. And the Liverpool, particularly the cop, gave him so much stick. Yeah. And he turned around and he came and he bowed to the cop and sort of waved to us. Yeah. And that was it for them. Every time he got the ball, we just sort of screamed his name. You know, yeah, he became... Yeah, yeah. And everything he did, we sort of... We, I mean, we won the game, but, you know, he was he was sort of so sort of celebrated because he sort of acknowledged it, he took it, yeah, yeah. gave us a bit of a wink and then moved yeah. on. You know, it was amazing. Did you think, um, and this is certainly my memory, that you wanted to win every game, yes. You might even hate the other team, but you didn't necessarily hate the individual players in the other team. And also... Uh, because there wasn't so much televised football, it, it was no. a chance to see certain players. You know, when, when, for instance, I don't know, when we used to play at places and Gordon Banks was there, you know, people, people were like, oh, we're going to have a few in the crowd. I mean, know? I don't know whether there's rose-tinted glasses there, but it certainly wasn't my experience. I mean, I did, you know, the, the next game I went to was Tottenham and, and me and my mate got our head kicked in on the way home. And it was, <laughs> it was, at, it was at, at Liverpool, but we'd gone, we walked home a different way and a car stopped and that was all crazy. So the was stuff by going Tottenham on. fans. Yeah, were they wearing sheepskins? No, they. Were. Oh no, that's <laughs> no, not right. Sorry, no. but it was so you know though not to look through it through too much no, rose no, tinted, no. but but I do think that banter was there. And maybe it was a television thing, but and the lack, you know, we are saturated with football now, and it is all about that sort of player power. Yeah, that that's a really interesting thing actually that you've just raised about the rose tinted glasses and all that. I was saying that there's respect for the players. I mean, I remember it being an incredibly violent time. But the and players it, were more like us, weren't they? Yeah, I yeah, mean, there, the, wasn't yeah, they that, were. there wasn't that financial but, divide, but, but, in a way. But that, but that 
I'm going to throw something at you here that you, you, you may well throw out of court completely. So that thing about, oh, you know, um, uh, the Liverpool fans are very knowledgeable and they're very funny and blah, blah, blah. I went to Liverpool lots of times and, and was shit scared, I've got to say. You know? yeah, sure. it, they weren't all bloody, you know, um, um, no. affable scousers who wanted you to have a good time. Well, no, I know, I, you know, that 70s violence and 80s violence. Stanley Knives. That's all well documented. And also every sort of... Every other team had their sort of faction, didn't yeah, you know, yeah. like Millwall had their F troop and stuff. There's a great story that um, that uh, Crew Alexander had their team, and because they were so tough and stuff, and they called themselves the Croutons, which <laughs> obviously because they'd never seen a Crouton before, that was the name of their hard faction. Some sort of robot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the Croutons are going to get you. <laughs> so you have to bring your own soup. But it was, uh, but yeah, there was there was violence there. And then obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we saw it, and that's why the game changed as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Um, just we talk a lot on this. Well, we talk a lot on the show. Full stop. But we, <laughs> we uh, certainly earlier in the season, there was when Ronaldo came to United. There was this sort of oh, you know, incredibly. Um, pumped up excitement about Ronaldo. It was the time of the Ballon d'Or. He was runner-up. And Mo Salah finished sixth, I think. Yeah. And, and we were going, this is just madness. You'd have to look at the stats. Apart from seeing him play, you know, I, I, I just feel that that in some ways he's just kind of undervalued for some reason. Maybe it's because he keeps his trap shut. Yeah, I think what's interesting about the Liverpool side is the you know there's great great players. There's no real superstars popping out individuals in that way. You know they do play coherently. If there's a superstar, it's Klopp. You know, but there is a bit of undervalue. But also the Ballon d'Or, it's so sort of now you know like so much of football, it's so commercialized. And, it's and an Ronaldo, excuse for them to invite Ronaldo to dinner. And, yeah, Ronaldo's and a name. He's a brand. Them, yeah. It's all you know. So there's a sense of them just sort of giving back and keeping the brand going and keep, you know, looking at television rights all over the world and Ronaldo having that, you know, I think supporters knows what's going on. I mean, even a lot of my my new friends, uh, you know, well, both of them, uh, you know, they they talk about the fact that they felt that Ronaldo was going to destabilise that side. Which, yeah. and, he, and he sort of has. I mean, he's rescued yeah. them at times, you know, certainly against the Tottenham recently, but... There is a this, you you look at that dressing room and think is this a happy place it's interesting that Liverpool as, insofar as they have a, a star player it's, it's Salah but that, that, oh, that those, I mean those front the, the front three style that he plays they, they seem to be in a place now where they're interchangeable where there's a group that's, there's like a five now isn't yeah, there yeah there's Johnson and now yeah, that Diaz has come Diaz in. is just he's hit the floor really he's just yeah, unbelievable yeah. it looks like he's been in a Liverpool shirt ever, since he was a kid yeah. Yeah. it's great and my, and my friend Colombian Steve's a big fan of him. Yeah, he's just <laughs> yeah. I, I really think like Klopp Jota. Now, I think Diego Jota is a, su- is a yeah, super well, I Klopp think has uh, players all over the pitch that he can replace now. He's yeah, got yeah. a squad yeah. there. Yeah. I think that's, re- that's one of the very interesting things about Liverpool at the moment is that actually, you know, the game can be won by Robertson or Alexander-Arnold mm. or Van Dijk. It can be mm. won by Henderson. It's, or it, Alison it, can come in and score a header every well, now and again. Uh, you know exactly what I mean? so. And, and we were also talking about, I think Liverpool have become, again the sort of neutrals 
favourite if in, in this title race especially and I think in over the last season, three years yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, this, in this season the, 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 no one really I don't think apart from you know diehard City like, no one wants to see City running away well no it. one wants to see any and team running away no. I think you want a competition you want a competition to the end you want, you want to see that sort of nip and tuck sort of fight Liverpool are providing that at the moment so well, it, it gives an exception between Liverpool and City is that you know as a neutral you, if a Liverpool game is on you'll want to watch it and yeah. if a City game is on you want to know what the score is after you know because they're not Pep, really you know, a sort of I do think Pep and Klopp you know I think they what they've brought to the game the way they their teams play they're really excited I love them both on the touchline you know there's that mm. great bit where you know at Anfield when uh, Pep thought he was being cheated of two two handballs and he just goes absolutely no, crazy. The Milner the, thing in the yeah. corner as well. Yeah, and the yeah, Milner yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the fact that they sort of give their personalities yeah. on the side. Yeah. I just love it. And and that is great. You know, they and are entertainment. Two great games coming up. You've yeah. got the semi-final of the Cup. If yeah, well, I heard you before talking about the semi-final. I mean, I do think that's a disgrace. I mean, I think, you know, for fans of City and Liverpool to have to and a rail strike it's just madness to have it down in Wembley that time yeah, I know it's four days four days of engineering it's just <laughs> crazy it's crazy <laughs> when you, you you could play it at Old Trafford and it would be fine yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely uh, talking about City actually I remember there was uh, was it the semi-final when you played City mm-hmm. uh, when you got to the final and it was just the whistling at the beginning of the game and you just felt like the crowd really did make a massive difference yeah, yeah. they made it really inhospitable yeah, yeah. for City yeah. you know they, they just didn't really want the ball yeah. uh, and, and uh, Robertson was brilliant that day he's I a great player seem, I seem I mean, to remember yeah, another one that we went in for but he decided to go to Liverpool I mean that whole debate yeah, about whether you have you know I heard someone talking about this Team UK the other day and you know and you think, well, who would go at get in it? That's not on the England side, and Robertson's the one, really. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had another three versus the six to <laughs> celebrate going into the European Union, <laughs> <laughs> Colin, Steen. Colin Steen played. <laughs> yes, he did. God. <laughs> now, also, we never had a Brexit game, did we? We should have had no, a Brexit game. Yes, we should have. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Home Internationals came back briefly, didn't they? Yeah. Um, now the other thing is. You know, when you when you when you're passionate and you go a lot, and suddenly work stands in the way. Yeah, that that's a difficult thing. I mean, uh, I know I, I I I when I was younger, I wouldn't take any work if Stoke were no, playing, and then you get older, and, <laughs> sadly, and I don't get any work, sadly, so I have to take sadly it. Sadly, works always come first. For yeah, me. but also I can combine the two. Because if you go to Anfield and do the stadium tour, I know it's my voice. I've, that's a, I've heard. Here <laughs> you did, are in the famous boot room. And did you not also do? <laughs> did you not also do some 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 Liverpool poem to celebrate I the do. winning of the? Uh, I of do. The yeah, yeah, I did. yeah, I've done. A, I've done quite a few poems. I've done. I did a reading of You Never Walk Alone, which took me ages to get through because I just kept blubbing all the time. <laughs> I was get through. So, so you're like their voiceover artist in residence. I've got, uh, yeah, <laughs> they've got my number. But I was, when the stadium tour thing came up, yeah, there, yeah. I said, that's great. And my agent told me a fee. And I said, okay, yeah, I can afford that. And he said, no, they're paying you that. <laughs> I was like, okay. But, um, yeah, yeah, so it, uh, I'm, I've always, sadly, always, not sadly, but, you know, I've always chosen work over well, the sort of recreation. 
recreational side yeah, of my yeah. life. But they do, you know, in the voiceover, but also sometimes when we've got two European finals, I have been able to phone up Sky or ITV or whoever I've been working for and gone, you, you know what? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there any chance of a... Uh, <laughs> not, go, I'm yeah. not feeling very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, you get can, me a ticket, yeah. is what I'm asking. Yeah. 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 If you can wear the costume from Britannia. Yeah. Can, you know, can I go to the stand? <laughs> you know, will it be all right? So, and, and, and what about with family? Because you've got, you've got, mm-hmm. you've got children. I mean, yeah. I, I, you, you spoke about, uh, I think, the final when Michael Owen scored those. So that was the big one for me because yeah. my, uh, my daughter and my youngest son are not interested in football. But my eldest son, I sort of, you know, he went to school in North London and I used to tell him about Liverpool all the time and put him in front of the telly and sort of indoctrinate him. I remember once my, my ex-wife said to him, she was going to visit a friend and he said, where are you going, mummy? And she said, I'm going to Chelsea. And he went, boom! <laughs> and that was obviously my sort of indoctrination. <laughs> but it was that final and we were losing a half-time to Arsenal and I could see he was thinking... I've got to go in school on Monday and my team's lost. And Arsenal, of course. Yeah, all his mates and he thought, how am I going to do this? And I thought, I'm going to lose him here. He's going to change to become Arsenal. That day I was at at a wedding in Liverpool that day, friends in Liverpool, and the wedding started at three o'clock and half the people there, you know, you you mill around before and we go, there's a hotel over, there's a TV in the bar there, we can get over. And this wedding went on and on and on. And, you know, in fairness, they were very, religious people one the, right. the groom was actually a vicar right. and so lots of vicars wanted their say and uh, the uh, bride uh, played I think the oboe or the bassoon or something right. and had a recital and it was getting on and on and, on. <laughs> and by the time um, you know it was, it was nearly full time yeah. and the vicar came on and said and the score is 2-1 <laughs> <We went, laughs> Not your job to tell me, mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> but no, if, if Owen hadn't, you know, if Owen hadn't scored those goals, I would have lost them. And it's it's meant for me a lifetime of connection. We go to games, yeah. we talk about games, we text each other about it. You yeah. know, he's got every kit from you know ninety five, ninety six. Yeah. You know, so how old name- was he at that final? So at that final, he would have been about. Seven. I Perfect. Think. Yeah. You see, this my son was seven yeah. when we got promoted to the Premier League, right? And it was like, oh God, thank God for that. Yeah. You know, he, he he can't come back from that now. Seven. He from then on, it was like you've well, chosen I mean, your side. Yeah. Then you we've, know. All, we've we've all got sons. And, yes. Well, I, I have I have three sons, and they're all three of them are younger than the thirty years of hurt that I've had to go yes. through. And so uh, basically, you know, I've I've not had big games to indoctrinate them with, uh, but I have had a lot of a lot of replica shirts a lot of Christmas packages of replica and and, and also also, it's about moaning isn't it also you know you can you know you can all get together and just moan grief yeah that I mean that's a big thing as well and I think you know I think it's uh it's there's nothing like it to do, and also standing next to my son, I have to say, and singing "You'll Never Walk Alone" is just unbelievable. And all, when we went to um, Madrid and at the Tottenham game, we were right near the front in that Champions League final, and seeing Jordan Henderson come and just hug his dad. Yeah. At the end of that, honestly, I mean, even now I'm filling up thinking about it. It was yeah. just that thing of seeing someone who'd gone through so much yeah. with his father. Yeah. And then I was with my son, although yeah. I, I obviously hadn't played. I had kicked every ball, it felt like. But, you know, it was just such a great thing to share with him. Uh, that, those yeah. things are, are, are very, very yeah. special. When when uh, we got to the semi-final, when we beat 
bolt and five in the other semi-final. And my dad was quite old by then, but my dad had taken me to the League Cup final in 1972. Now, I'd have been about nine, and he was having to you know, look after me, and I had to look after him, yeah. but, you know, in, in the big crowd. In which, and I, 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 you couldn't help but feel, yeah. oh, this is, this is sick. Well, this, this League Cup final against Chelsea, uh, my son and I went, and he was born 27 years ago to that final when we beat Bolton. So yeah, that yeah. was that was the day he was born. Yeah. I remember sitting. I've got a photograph of me sitting that was there. A Phil Bab type yeah, side, wasn't it? Was. It at that time, <laughs> Jason McAteer. That was the time, and uh, we bought Phil Bab after the three games he'd played in the World Cup. You know, he's yeah. brilliant. But we, I was sitting there with him in my hands, watching watching the uh, the game. Yeah. And so, twenty seven years later, there we are against Chelsea, watching that amazing sort yeah. of penalty shootout. That was fantastic. That was that was I was going to say, to be fair, uh, uh, on your boys, on my boys, they do actually live in an older museum and so it's oldham's everywhere every, every wall you, 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 you oh, well i feel it. so guilty now because because of where we are you know we're 91st in the league we're three points adrift we're yeah, we're playing like uh, the worst i've ever seen the worst um, team the worst anything i've ever seen right. i mean i've played in games where i've played better than the people <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. and uh, and i do feel guilty for for lumbering them with that you know what I mean? My, but what, how do they feel? Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, John, bless him, the middle guy is the, is the most into the football, and right. he's got loads of um, Oldham shirts. And he buys them himself, and he buys them for me now. Right. You know? okay. But he does also have a sneaking thing where people, he's got Crystal Palace kit. Oh, okay. That's you where never told me that. Yeah. I've yeah. stayed yeah. in his room. No, and, <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't get them, but friends get them because uh, he's from, oh, this is where. And, you that's know, how it starts. It's a gateway shirt. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the old days, you know, before there was, you know, saturation coverage of football. Yeah. And uh, when I was uh, grow, uh, you know, growing up as an Oldham fan, and we'd, my family had moved away. So you, I, I never really went to Oldham as a kid because we'd moved uh -huh. near Sheffield. So you'd have Oldham and you'd, you'd see the results in the papers. That was really all mm -hmm. you'd see. But you had to then, you know, you developed a fondness or otherwise for teams that were on match of the yeah, day. Yeah, and you yeah. hoovered up all the football that there was. There was the Sunday afternoon. There was this, there was match of the day. And mm -hmm. so you, I would, I would, I know I'd quite like watching Leeds maybe or you yeah, know, you've yeah. watched. and so John has a bit of that because Oldham aren't really on the television we live in London I mean when and I so first when came they, to London when I first came to London I lived on the White City Estate which was right by Loftus Road and I'd uh -huh. go uh, that was when they had the sort of all weather pitch sort of mm -hmm. stuff yeah. and I used to go and watch them and that was it and I, so I've really got a soft spot for them and I really loved being in uh, Loftus Road they were such a great great mm. side great family club you know really great support. and QPR was your first Liverpool yeah and that was it yeah, yeah. so there was a but uh, yeah. uh, yes, yeah. circulation. I just want to take it a little bit wider um, uh, before we finish and talk about because you mentioned very, very briefly about about chairman and not really knowing what goes on in the game. Um, you know, I just feel sometimes for us who, who've been supporting football for a long time that there's such a massive disconnect between the people that administrate and own football and mm -hmm. the people who support it. Yep. You know, the, 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 the Super League being a classic example, but also the worrying thing about, you know, probably the top six or seven clubs all have chairmen that 
don't really have any any. Well, it's a commodity, isn't it? I mean, I sort of don't feel that at Liverpool. I mean, I think the the Super League was a, a terrible mistake, which I felt their apology was quite genuine about. And I, I, I have a lot of sort of time for them. And I think they do listen to the supporters, uh, prices for seats and stuff like that. You know, the, the Liverpool football supporters club are really vocal and I think they have got their ear they're very careful around that and I think Klopp is very part, very much part of that as well um, but you know football teams are a commodity they are a business yeah. and we've sold that up and that, that sort of that, that, that horse has bolted I think in a way you know and it's we have to be very I say we have to be very careful going forward but I don't know what one can do maybe the crisis we're in now you know, and there's much bigger things than football at stake, obviously. But maybe this will shine a light on how football is governed in some way. Yeah. I mean, possibly that might be something that comes out of this. But, you know, it is a, it is a very fine line between the money that is out there, the people who can own it and, and sort of commercialize this product that they've bought, and whether they know anything about the game or anything about the supporters yeah. or care in any way. Or, or just using the game, either yeah. one for profit or two, to well, sports, whole, sports wash. The whole sports wash thing is a really important thing, yeah. and people have been talking about it for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this crisis, and again, I would reiterate that there is more things, more important things yeah, than yeah, football at the heart of this. But this crisis might suddenly shine a light on this sports washing. Well, I think Chris and I I've said before, you know, if there's going to be a time, now is the time. But I have a terrible feeling. That, <laughs> I mean, I hope the well, Ukraine. Yeah. Is, I have a terrible feeling that it will just. But well, it's true of all news. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the crazy. I mean, who remembers the Sue Gray report? For God's sake! I mean, it's like you know, it's moving so fast off the news agenda that there's no time to settle on something and get it sorted. It's like the governments, I think, governments and whoever can just stay, hold their space for a bit, and they know that the the, the news uh, agenda is so. Busy, yeah, yeah, and it'll yeah. just move on with well, it. Whatever happened to Boris Johnson's party gate? Well, that's you what know, I mean. The Superior Report. <laughs> in, interesting, though, to see Harry Kane this week saying, you know, we are going to be aware of what's going on around us. We will look to shine a light. Yeah, bar, yeah. Which is a step in the right direction. It may mean. Uh, well, it depends what they do, doesn't it? I yeah. mean, they were talking about <laughs> you saying we've, we've been taking a knee to highlight the racism. We're going to do something to highlight the human rights thing in Qatar. And he's supposed to be getting together with the England team. Have been discussing this in their camp yeah, yeah. this week, and he's supposed to be supposedly getting together with the other international captains at the World Cup. Right. Two of whom are his club, aren't they? Loris and, yeah. and yes. Son. Yeah. Um, so maybe they'll just have a meeting at Spurs. But, what, but it's what it's they're going what, to do. It's what know. they're going to do. It's what is that meeting about? I think that meeting more about, and they need to have this meeting, is though so some player doesn't say something, you know, like, you know, I love playing here, the stadiums are great, and other people might turn around to them and say, do you know how many people died in that stadium? So, you know, it's just yeah. making them aware of the language they use around That's any of the man. interviews. Right? I just yeah. wonder what sort of gesture they could, that is, well, remains to them. You know, if they're already going to take a knee, are they going to, like, I pat their head and I, rub their stump I, tummy? I have a horrible... Horrible, horrible, horrible goal celebration thing in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, completely tasteless. Well, they all start necking each other. <laughs> well, I, yeah, that's, you know. <laughs> Tony Curry did it. Why not? Yeah. They used to do it years ago. Yeah. Listen, Dave, thank you so much. And and it's so lovely to hear your passion. And I always find it a strange thing when I, when I go to games 
places like Liverpool especially because you know you have lots of high profile supporters sometimes I'm there and I'll sit and I'll see sit there Sue Johnston yeah Is Sue Johnston Sue's there, there? <laughs> but I have to say my favourite person that I saw there just because I, I never knew he was a Liverpool fan was just seen wandering down down, down the steps at half time Chris De Berg yeah oh, Chris big, red, Bat, big, big Red yeah. Big Red goes to well, I, every I, game I, I remember what else would he be a I, fan of I, I don't know <laughs> just, I, the lady in red I uh, I I got on a plane to go to the one of the finals, and Michael Howard was on the on the plane. You know the 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 yeah, an ex leader of the Tory party. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. God, he's a Liverpool fan. Yeah. So yeah, we we but Sue, I see Sue all the oh, time. Yeah. And I've seen her in England game. games yeah. as well. But she's a proper she's proper really proper really knows her fan. stuff as yeah. well. And, and you probably know this. John Belushi used to go to the Stoke games. Really? No. David Morris. Thank you so 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 much and uh, uh, join us next week when we'll have somebody much less famous to talk to <laughs> about a less successful club alright Sports Social Podcast Network Hello it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.